Hey guys, it's Simon. This is Brussling Unlimited. As it's Wednesday, and that means tonight was AEW Dynamite. Tonight's AEW Dynamite was an alright show. Nothing super special other than we got like four new things. Three new things announced for the March 5th Revolution pay-per-view. But other than that, a lot of non-happening didn't make sense. Why is that match main eventing matches? Like... I get there's supposed to be a big overarching story in the women's division right now. But when you're putting your woman's champion kind of in the back burner. Uh-uh. That just doesn't sit right with me. When Jamie Hayter is the extra in this as the woman's champion. No, that just doesn't do it for me. Plus, you open the show with two multi-man matches, a uh, Texas Tornado tag match and an eight-man tag that meant nothing for nothing. Like, neither of these matches needed to happen. Why did they happen? No re no rhyme or reason. Frank Hayes and Jungle Boy? I mean, cool. It was an alright match. But it's like a lot of why is that happening kind of stuff. Just, uh, we're gonna book a bunch of random shit to get enough people that was um, as much many people as we can on the show. Basically what this show was tonight. Now, again, we did learn some things for future for revolution and whatnot, but overall, this is just a show and not to knock the women because the match itself wasn't bad. I mean, it was all right. It wasn't great or anything, but I don't, I see the ratings possibly dipping in the final segments. Because I don't see this as a, we got to stick around main event, no offense. So we'll see how the ratings go. We'll know tomorrow the overall rating and then we'll know Friday in the Observer when Meltzer puts out, or if Brandon Thurston gets it first, puts out um, the quarters and whatnot. So we'll see how it does ship out or shape out. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. If you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Or if you're watching on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Pro Wrestling or PW Unlimited. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime because remember, if you have Amazon Prime or access to anybody's Amazon Prime account, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and it always gives you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, right here, right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And why are my backlights not on? That's weird. Hit the button. And I want to turn on. Might not be plugged in. Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Remember, if you are watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there by becoming a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Also, remember that you can head over to the Epic Game Store and support us over there by using our code PWUnlimited at checkout. Remember, use code PWUnlimited to check out for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases, whether that is for a new game, for an old game, for a free game, or if you're getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys. Remember, no more Rumbleverse. Rumbleverse is still around for a little bit longer, 
but it's going away. It's being sunset, and you can't use our code for that game anymore. Again, use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases to support us at no extra cost. With that, the show opens up with an in-memoriam graphic for Jerry Jarrett, who did pass away earlier this week at the age of 80. And then the show did open with his son, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was part of the eight-man tag team match in the opening contest. It was the All-Atlantic champion, Orange Cassidy, teaming with the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, as well as Billy Gunn. Jarrett teamed up with Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. Now, this match, they just tried to cram a bunch of bullshit in there. That's all it was. They just tried to, like, to get to the finish, it was so convoluted. It was like, we're going to do the, the scissors leg drop. Oh, but this guy's got to try and stop it first. Oh, now this guy's going to try, but nope. We're going to try and stop it again. And then finally, Bones, like, no, no, no. Like, come on. This this bullshit. This is stupid. Way overbooked and too many just spots and things. And I don't feel like the match flowed well for me. Maybe it did for you. Maybe it did for somebody else. But the pacing of this match just seemed off. Now, Max Caster, props early on for his uh, pre-match rap for slamming Jeff Jarrett being a Nepo baby in DNA lockdown. I liked that. So after Dutt faked it like he was going to start, it was Bowens and Lethal who got the thing, got the match going as they acclaimed double teamed early on until Caster found himself on the wrong side of the ring. After some nonsense of tags that amounted to basically nothing, the guns came out on the stage and allowed Jarrett to get the advantage and beat down a daddy ass with help from Jay Lethal. Uh, this did include a Fargo strut, which Singh did as well. He also tagged in and uh, wiped out the acclaimed and Cassidy in one fell swoop. Singh then blocked the, an orange punch attempt, launching Orange Cassidy across the ring. Singh tagged out to Dutt, but Daddy Ass was able to hit a huge Feymaster on the big man. Referee Aubrey Evers tried to get Dutt in the ring as Jarrett used the stolen Golden Globe on Daddy Ass. Still interesting that they got that Golden Globe. I don't know if it's the real one. I highly doubt it. Maybe it's a replica, but yeah. Uh, lethal took out Bowens with a lethal injection at one point. Dutt tried to take out Caster with a pencil, but ran into an orange punch. The match continued to break down as Dutt was ultimately dropped to the Scissor Me Timbers after a bunch of bullshit. Like I said, Bowens was on top. And he gets taken down by Jeff Jarrett, who then gets punched out with an orange punch by Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy then slowly climbs to the top to go for the Scissor Me Timbers. And he gets taken down by Jay Lethal. Well, actually, Jay Lethal tries to tank him down. Then he head scissors Jay Lethal over the top rope, botches it slightly a little bit, finally tumbles down. And then Bowens out of nowhere just jumps up, scissor me timbers, pins Sanjay Dutt. So yeah, not the best of matches, I would say. I don't, I didn't think that the, I didn't think that the, what's it called, pacing was really all that great. And they just tried to cram way too much into it. Afterwards, um, the guns stared down at the ring as they acclaimed Billy Gunn and Orange Cassidy all scissored. There's a video package of Brian Danielson's quest to the Iron Man match revolution. And it is shown 
He has shown saying the boogeyman is going to get MJF. So then we had a Texas Tornado tag match. Why? Why did this match need to happen? It didn't. You know why? Because Moxley wanted to do stupid shit and bleed again. But he could do stupid shit and bleed in any match. This match happening made no sense. There's no reason for this to A, be a tag match, and B, let alone be a Texas Tornado tag match. Like, why? Why? The match itself felt clunky. I'm going to say that right now. Felt clunky at the start. Like, what's this going to lead to? Roosh challenging Claudio for the ROH title at the pay-per-view Mania weekend? Maybe. So, I don't even know if we're still allowed to call him the Blackpool Combat Club because they really don't, but Claudio and Moxley come out and they're attacked in the crowd during their entrance by Roosh and Preston Vance. They then say, this match will continue after the break and they're fighting in the crowd as we go to break. Uh, Excalibur referenced how Vance and Moxley's previous match resulted in Moxley steamrolling Preston Vance, but... Things are different now with Vance's new attitude as he's a changed man. I'm like, what? Come on. So they're fighting and they're fighting and Claudio was taken out on the floor as Moxley was double teamed back in the ring. Claudio made the save as Moxley rolled out and chucked in some chairs. Moxley tried a slingshot into the railing on Roosh, but didn't get it all as Hangman is shown watching backstage. At the request of the fans, Vance was repeatedly thrown into some chairs that were set up in the corner. Mox launched himself to the floor onto Roosh. As Moxley was on the apron, Vance speared him through the ropes, wiping out Claudio and Roosh in the process as well. Roosh then smacked a chair against the shoulder of Claudio as he and Vance stacked a table on top of him with some chairs as well. John Moxley all of a sudden comes up bleeding because, well, it ain't a John Moxley match in AEW if he ain't bleeding. So, uh, you can check that off your card of what's going to happen on tonight's show. Moxley's going to bleed. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! I'd take the over on is Moxley going to bleed, yes or no. I'd take the over, yes. Uh, this then led to a commercial break. He was isolated uh, by the heels. After the break, Moxley started to get into a striking battle with Roosh as Vance then clocked Moxley in the head with a chain wrapped around his fist for a two. Vance then poured down some punches with the chain as Claudio finally recovered and made the save and dished out some punches of his own. And uh, there's a chair shot on Preston Vance, who was busted open in the process. There's a giant swing on Vance that got about, I think, 12, 13 revolutions. Bruce and Claudio then had a little face-to-face -face until Jose attacked Claudio with a chair. This then led to Wheeler Yuta beating him up, up on the ramp and to the back. Bruce then called for the bullhorns. But Claudio speared him in midair. Claudio and Roosh then spilled to the outside as Vance tried to hang Moxley with the chain, but Moxley reversed the choke and choked out Vance instead with the chain to pick up the victory. So, Claudio, Mox, pick up the win. Cool. That's cool. Like, duh. Who didn't see that coming? Claudio and Moxley winning. And who didn't see Moxley bleeding coming? Because he's got to bleed in every god darn match he's in. So the match is over and Moxley 
Wheeler Yuta and Claudio are celebrating in the ring. All of a sudden on the screen, they show us that Hangman is being attacked by the Butcher, the Blade, and Kip Sabian, right, as the Dark Order run in to make the save. So, kill. They're going to send it to the back with Jim Ross and Wardlow. Well, Jim Ross has a sit-down interview with Wardlow, who shared some personal stories of his time teaming with Samoa Joe. Wardlow shared the story that he looked up to his father. Wait, did I, did I write this right? Wardlow shared the story with us. He looked up to his father, who he had somewhat a rocky relationship with. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I wrote, okay, I did write this right. For the reason, it was, it was, it looked wrong to me. Uh, he talked about his father having stage four cancer, but was able to see his son wrestle at his first ever independent show. After he passed away, Wardlow said that he grew his beard and hair out for his father. Joe knew this and took it from him, basically when he cut the ponytail off. That was the connection he had to his dad. He said Joe might have survived every monster, but he is not going to survive Wardlow. So basically what he's saying there is, I grew my hair out and I grew my beard out for my father because, well, he couldn't having cancer, and, well, Joe took that away from me. I do want to thank uh, Killjoy Army for becoming a, or re-upping as a YouTube member. Really do appreciate that. <clears throat> then we had one half of the ROH Tag Team Champions, Mark Briscoe, against Josh Woods. Match was good. Really liked it. And technically, yes, there is a backstory between Woods and the Briscoes. So if you guys don't know, if you don't know, Ring of Honor is coming back. March 25th and 26th, they'll be doing Dark and Ring of Honor television tapings in Orlando. And then Ring of Honor will start airing March 2nd, I want to say. It's a Thursday. Uh, March 2nd on Honor Club. So there's a strong ovation for Briscoe, who used his speed early on to send Woods to the floor. But Sterling took the ref as Neeson Davari attacked Briscoe outside. Again, weird that there's just, again, Ari Davari, what happened to his group? I know, what's his name? Oh, the Brock Lesnar looking fool. What's his name? Parker Bourgeau left him. But then they had that other guy, the old white rapper looking guy. Well, I don't even remember his name. But I guess his Trustbusters group is just no more. And so they're like, well, what can we do? Oh, we like to throw people with other random people. Let's throw him with these guys. Like, come on. So the crowd went crazy when the Lucha Bros would hit the ring to fend off the, uh, I guess you could say, other guys, Nissan Davari. Woods laid out Briscoe with a corkscrew suplex on the floor as we went to a commercial break with Woods controlling the action. Briscoe then battled back with some redneck kung fu until more of Sterling's nonsense put Woods back in control. Briscoe hit a thrust shop and a charging boot to send Woods to the outside yet again as Briscoe used a chair to catapult himself over the top to the floor. Back inside the ring, Briscoe hit a razor's edge and got a two off of it. He then missed a, dra a J-driller as Woods hit pure chaos and got a two. Both men then traded counters until Briscoe hit a rolling de a Death Valley driver, pointed to the sky, and connected with a froggy bow to pick up the victory. So there we go. Mark Briscoe defeats Jay, or not uh, Jay, Mark Briscoe defeats Josh Woods. I don't know why I couldn't say that name. 
So we got a good segment here. Renee Paquette interviewing Adam Cole, who said that he couldn't be happier to be back on the road with All Elite Wrestling. He said he's discouraged that he's not in the ring, but many victories are what comes to be appreciated. He said he's looking at the AEW roster and has a few ideas on who he wants to face in his big return match, but he's going to keep that to himself and not tell us just quite yet who he's looking to face. He said it will be good for All Elite Wrestling and good for Adam Cole when he returns to action. So didn't say when, didn't give a hint on who, but the going consensus might be revolution on the 5th. MJF makes his uh, entrance before a commercial break. He threw some stuff at some people in the crowd. He threw a fan's phone. He tossed a drink in another fan's face and seemed to soak in the booze as he went to a break. Come back. He cut a pretty good promo. MJF started his promo after break after the break, saying that it wasn't long ago that the fans who worshipped Brian Danielson now were previously devil worshipers. He said he turned his back on them before they could turn their back on him. Just like the crowd, Danielson is trash who convinced the crowd that he's better than MJF. He said the only way you're the best in the world is if you are holding a world title, more specifically the AEW world title. He said not by going out and having five-star matches. He said, wrestlers, don't get into this game. Don't get into this business just to go out there and have five-star matches. No, it's to be a world champion. And I thought that he missed a great opportunity here to say, yes, Brian has been a world champion, but what happened the last time he was a world champion? He couldn't hold the weight of the title and had to give it up. I really wish that he would have referenced that, going, yes, Brian's been a world champion, but he was such a bad world champion that he couldn't even stay healthy to be the champion. I thought he should have mentioned something like that. If you remember, Brian won the title in 2014 and then pretty quickly had to give it up due to injury. So I would have loved for MJF to mention that. And I get it. I get it. Don't bring up WWE stuff. That one would have worked because he would have been like, Brian, last time you were champion was only for a couple of months and you've been, uh, and you had to give it up. Well, I've been champion for X amount of months and no one's been able to come close to beating me, you know? And then he could have been like, oh, and by the way, that was a second rate title anyways. Like he could have trashed the WWE championship in the process, but hey, to each their own, whatever. Out would then come Christopher Daniels. Daniels said that he looked up Danielson throughout his entire career, even though Danielson started wrestling way earlier than Danielson, but whatever. MJF wanted Daniels to tell the truth, tell the fans the truth about Brian Danielson. Daniels said that MJF paid him an obscene amount of money to degrade Brian Danielson, and that is the truth. But the truth really is that Danielson is set to knock MJF's dick in the dirt. This is like the third time we've heard that now. Maybe the second. But what is knock your dick in the dirt? What? He said 20-year-old Brian Danielson hit him so hard that he felt like he was going to die. And that's when he knew he would be great. Daniels referenced the King of the Indies tournament in 2001 that was won by Brian Danielson that basically inspired the inception 
of Ring of Honor. He said, if Brian Danielson did not do what he did in that King of Indies tournament, there would not be most likely a Ring of Honor. There most likely would not be an Ollie Wrestling, and there for damn sure would not be an MJF. He said that I've watched Brian Danielson in more matches than I think I can count. And I know that in every match, Danielson tries to learn something new. He is a sponge and always tries to get better and learn. He is who MJF wishes he could be. Danielson then calls MJF a fraud and smacks him. So MJF, well, no. Danielson calls MJF a fraud. MJF smacks the microphone out of his hand, and then Danielson smacks him. Daniels goes to try to leave. MJF pulls him back and kicks him in the balls. He then jumps down and puts the salt of the earth Fujiwara armbar on him. Brian Danielson runs out to make the save, and MJF, excuse me, MJF bails. Good segment. Hyping up the match at the pay-per-view. So, I like it. Um, Quick video recap of the guns celebrating their tag title victory. Colton said that they've only been a team for a year and only had 10 televised matches, and they're already a team. And there are, I mean, they're already champions. They didn't have to go work the indies and get paid $10 a show. No, they came in and they took over in just one year's time. And it's like, eh, I don't know about that one. About the whole, we didn't have to, I, I don't like when wrestlers go, we didn't have to prove ourselves. We were handed things. Like, that's basically what they said. We're so good, we were handed our spot. Like, mm, 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 no, 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 buddy boy. That's not, that's not the move. Whoever wrote that promo, go back to school. Because, I mean, people already hate the guns for just getting what they got because they're Billy's kids. You don't have to fucking tell us that. So, yeah. I don't know about that one. That one was kind of like, mm, should have went a different route. Should have went a different route with that promo. Moving forward, we had Jungle Boy Jack Perry against... Brian Cage. I thought they've had better matches together. When, when did, what did they? Winner is coming. I think it was. They had a match against one another. I thought that match was better. Not saying this match was bad or anything, but I'm just. I know these two can do better. That's all I'm trying to say. I know these two can do better. As far as the match itself does go. One other thing that made this match suffer was so much picture-in-picture, picture, like a lot of picture-in-picture. Picture. So, Jungle Boy used his speed early on and hit two dives to the outside. Within the third, he was caught and slammed by Cage on the apron. Cage did his signature second-rope uh, suplex from the, apron, or to, to the, from the apron to the inside and controlled Perry through a break. Jungle Boy fought back and hit a pop-up power, or out of a pop-up powerbomb and dropped Cage with an enziguri. Cage then caught a flying uh, Jungle Boy again and hit him with a wheelbarrow drop for a close two. Cage then bridged out of a pin into a buckle bomb and an F5, but Jungle Boy wouldn't quit. He wouldn't stay down. Cage tried to suplex to the floor, but Perry hung onto the ropes with a double stomp. Uh, there was then a double stomp and a top rope splash for a two. 
Cage hulked up quickly, but suffered a crucifix bomb, a thrust kick, and a roll-up to give Jungle Boy the victory. So as Jungle Boy was leaving, going up the ramp, well, he was signaling, I want gold, I want gold, and another cage would come out and attack, this time, Christian Cage. Christian Cage came out with a sling on, but quickly took that off. Christian made it known that he's not hurt anymore. He wants Jungle Boy. Cage grabbed uh, Jungle Boy, hit him with a kill switch on the ramp, and said, I'm not done with you. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, and not to take any anything off from Christian and Jungle Boy, who are probably going to end up having a match revolution. Who else suffered the same tricep injury around the exact same time as Christian Cage? Give you guys a couple seconds to think about that one. Oh, that's right. CM Punk. CM Punk also suffered a tricep injury around the same time, around All Out. And so, if Christian's already cleared to get back, maybe, just maybe, that could mean that old CM Punk could be cleared to come back soon. And then that leads to the big question of, does Tony let him go? Or does Tony make him work and bring him back? Hmm. That's going to be a big, big question. Possibly sooner than we think. Now, Maybe he's not healing as fast as Christian did, but you gotta you gotta think about that when the two went down the same same injury around the same time. Serena Piquet informed us that at Revolution, the Guns will be defending the titles in a triple threat match. First, the winners of a traditional tag team battle royal will get into the match. Then the following week, we'll get a casino battle royal to determine the third team. Then the acclaimed and daddy ass would walk up and go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Renee." We're going to invoke our rematch clause and make this a fatal four-way. That's what I did when I heard that. Like, what? Another just give me X amount of guys to throw together. Fucking tag titles mean jack shit. Mean nothing. These tag titles are meaningless. When you're just going to have... Okay, I get it. The guns and the acclaimed. Do the rematch. Just do the rematch. Why do we need to add two more random ass teams? And then let's see who these two other teams could be. Let's pull this up on the screen really fast. Actually, we don't even know for the second battle royal, but in the first battle royal, it's going to possibly be. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Who's in this first battle royal? Um, We got it here right here. Let's see. Let's pull this up on the screen. It is in the first battle royal. We've got best friends. We've got Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, Lucha Brothers, Butcher and the Blade, 2.0, Dark Order, Ari Davari, and Tony Nese. I maybe Lucha Bros. Maybe best friends. But I would probably lean towards Lucha Bros. Does it matter? No. Also, why did the intro play again? I don't know. Sorry about that. Does this... Does this uh, <clears throat> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about this. It's like, why? Why just... Why add random teams to this? The story's already there. The story's built in. Hey. You beat us. We want our rematch. Let's do it at the pay-per-view. There we go. 
by you got to add two other teams, not just adding one more team, but adding two more teams. It's just going to be a convoluted ish. Try not to cuss as much, but AEW really is doing some doing some stuff. That's stupid as f. This match is going to be a convoluted cluster, cluster. So then we had Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. The big story here was Kip Sabian came out. Now is Hangman going to come out? How is Hangman going to be? He was attacked and Hangman just comes out. Not limping, not selling any injuries. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. So they did the injury thing early, earlier to make us think there's a slight chance that Hangman may not make the match and then comes out not even selling the injury. Hangman walk strutting down the ramp. We'll beat your ass. Like, what? So, yeah. I still wasn't bad, but it was like, okay, whatever. Did anybody expect Kip Sabian and his new goofy look to win? No. Sabian mocked Paige. And then eventually did come out. Uh, they did let us know this is that... At, so they let us know that at AEW Double or Nothing, these two men won the first two matches in AEW history. Sabian won some random pre-show match, and Hangman won a battle royal. And then I think these two also faced off, I can't remember if it was the same year, 2019 or not, but they faced off at a fighter fest. no. A fight for the fallen ones as well. So, um, both men, both men avoided some dives early on until Paige was distracted by Penelope Ford to let her husband get control with a double leg moonsault to the floor. Sabian controlled the action during a break, but missed a top rope stomp and Paige tackled him to the floor. Paige launched Sabian to the guard railing and hit a pop-up powerbomb back inside for a two. Sabian missed a reverse DVD as Paige countered into a dead eye for the victory. So there we go. Match. Game. Set. Out would then come John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta in all kinds of looking heelish. They look like they were just heels ready to freaking mess up old hangman. So Moxley said that Paige thinks they have unfinished business, but they don't. Moxley beat him weeks ago, and he doesn't respect Paige. He has his number, and there's no chance in hell Paige will ever beat him again. Paige then says that he doesn't think Moxley is satisfied with how it all ended. Just a roll-up. Paige says that he thinks that this ends with only one of them left standing. Let's go out into the back. Let's go out into the, into the uh, what do they call it? the alley and brawl and see who the last man actually is. How about we see at Revolution? Moxley's like, I hope you'd go that way. I'd hope you go that way. Because, well, you're going to do this. I got them. You got nobody. You have no friends to talk you out of this. So let's make it, and out would come Dark Order. Evil Luna would make his way out to the ring, along with um, Johnny. Why can I not think of their names? Wow, I, I can't think of their names. Is how little I've, we see them. I honestly can't remember their names all of a sudden. 
Johnny Hungy. What's his real fucking name? Holy crap. I just drew a... Oh my God, blank. It's... Um... Wow, let me Google it because I can't even think right now. John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Thank you, Daniel Price in the YouTube chat. Also, kudos, Tony Khan uh, announced after Dynamite. Mark Briscoe is all elite. Mark Briscoe earned his second win and is now officially a member of AEW. Cool. Not really much more to say on that. Um, but Eva Luno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds came down to the ring. Hangman was like, hey, I told you not to get involved. Get out of here. And then Eva Luno wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen, and he tried to get up in front of Moxley's, in Moxley's face or whatever. And Paige intervened, but Uno told him to get out of his face. Uno pie-faced Moxley and said he's not afraid of him. Moxley looked right past Uno like he didn't even matter and said, Texas, death. And walked off. Like, he didn't even give two thoughts to Evil Uno staring him right in the face like this. He just kind of goes, Texas, death. And then walks off. And next week, it's going to be John Moxley versus Evil Uno. Cool. John's going to f- him up. Cody Shivani's in the back with the JAS. Jericho said that Starks won't be getting his rematch, and he's not on Jericho's level. Daniel Garcia said this isn't Starks' time, and this Friday, he's going to expose Ricky Starks for the fraud that he actually is. They all made some absolute jokes that were kind of dumb that I didn't even write down. Tony Shivani's backstage with Ethan Page, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and uninjured Stokely Hathaway, who demands Hook be suspended for his actions last week. Giovanni said that he's been told that Hook has been suspended upon investigation. Daz was not pleased to hear this on commentary, learning this info, and yeah, this is all stupid and ridiculous. Then go into our main event. And I mean, I guess there's an interesting story here with which side is Ruby going to take? And Excalibur kind of tried to make it make sense because everyone's like, the whole thing with Tony and Soraya is they grew their name elsewhere. Well, Ruby also grew her name elsewhere. Yet, it's Caliber tried selling us that Ruby could be on either side because Ruby has been here for so long that many forget where she was before. That many forget that she hasn't been here since the start because she's been here for so long. But Ruby Soho... Ruby Soho only signed to this company about a year and a half ago. Company's been around for, this is the fourth year. Like, we've started the fourth year. And she signed in September of 2021. Or August of 2021. So it's like, mm, I guess you can try to use that analogy and make it make sense. Thanks, Caliber. Cool. Whatever. Before the match. Soraya and Tony Storm tried to attack a fan at ringside. And Excalibur's yelling, that's a fan. They grabbed a fan out of the front row. They're going to spray paint. I'm like, we're not dumb anymore. Don't insult our intelligence by telling us that's a fan. I'm not a big 
not to use the pun, fan of this kind of stuff really in this day and age because it's widely known that those are plants and those are actual wrestlers. It's not a real fan. Now, when it's like a celebrity that they're messing with and they're doing stuff like that, that's different. But again, it's still predetermined. They want us to think that that was somebody that didn't know that they were going to get attacked. No, come on. Don't, don't insult our intelligence. Then Ruby's music hits. And before Ruby even walks out on the stage, they both, Saray and Tony, we have to stop. Oh, my God. And Ruby just walks down. Not even, like, in a rush. Then she kind of starts to get close, and, and Tony's like, Soraya, leave her alone. Ruby's coming. Like, what? She didn't even like she wasn't do anything. Then she goes and checks on the girl, and she's like, you okay? You cool? All right, bye. So this was Ruby Soho. Tony Storm and Britt Baker. The match was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago, but Britt had some slight injury that, well, she's cleared of now. So, Soho popped Baker with a punch early as Storm held her for another one. Soho pulled back. Storm was then sent outside as the caliber question where Soho's alliance actually lies. Baker was pulled outside by Storm as Storm and Soho traded wrestling holds and not strikes in the ring. Storm wiped out Baker with the sweet chin music as Storm went to the floor with Soraya, leaving Soho in the middle to decide which way to go during the break. Baker then jumped in and sent Soho to the floor as Storm and Baker had pretty much a singles match during the entire picture-in-picture break. Soho intervened and drove Baker into the corner, but was dropped with a headbutt and an uppercut from Storm. Baker then drove Soho into the corner and took out Storm with a sling blade as Baker hit a neckbreaker DDT combo on both ladies for a near fall. Soraya then tripped up Baker as Storm hit a German suplex, but Soho responded with a pump knee. With Soho in a Cazadora position on how with Soho in a Cazadora position on Storm, Baker did a schoolgirl and Soho went flying, which allowed Storm and Baker to slug it out. There was a ripcord elbow at one point, a spinning fisherman suplex that got Baker a close two as Soho went for a top rope dive on Baker, but ran right into a punch by Storm, who applied a clover leaf. Baker tried for the lockjaw at the same time, but Soraya jumped in with the worst-looking kicks. Break it all up. Storm then wiped out Hater with a tornado DDT on the floor as Soraya hit the nightcap on Baker. Remember, triple threat, no DQ. Soraya then actually spray-painted the butt of Storm, who did sweet chin music on Baker. Soho then set Soraya crashing into Storm on the floor, rolled up Britt Baker, and picked up the victory. Then things got dumb. Soraya jumps in the ring on one side of Ruby. Jamie jumps in the other side on the other side of Ruby, and they start clucking. And Ruby's finally just like, stop! Stop yelling at me! And Excalibur's gonna be like, oh, I think Ruby Soho has heard enough. I think Ruby Soho doesn't want to actually tell us where she lies just yet. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And you got your woman's champion in there as an afterthought, clucking with Soraya. What side do you want to be on? Pick me, pick me, pick me, Ruby, pick me, no, pick me. Like, you're freaking woman's champion. Really? Doing this dumb shit. Yeah, that was your main event. 
in your main event angle to close the show. As far as things being announced for the next couple of shows, we do know that on Rampage this week, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks will be defending the titles yet again, what the fuck, against AR Fox and Top Flight. Rematch? Really? What happened to Tony Khan's, oh, I don't like to do a lot of rematches. I don't like to have the fans have to see the same things over and over if it doesn't have a story. What's the story here? That AR Fox and Top Flight said that, oh, and I forgot to reference this segment earlier because it was a fucking dumbass segment, but they see the elite playing with these basketballs, and they're like, oh, you like playing with balls, but you ain't got any balls. And then Matt Jackson threw a fucking basketball at Brandon Brandon uh, Cutler's dick, and he dropped the camera kind of. So, yeah. This match is happening again. We just saw it a week ago. Danny Garcia takes on Ricky Starks. Jade Cargill will defend the TBS Championship against Vert Vixen in an open challenge. And Dustin Rose will be in a grudge match against Swerve Strickland. Grudge match? Grudge match? Oh, I forgot that too, Daniel Price. Yes, there was like a glitch that showed the House of Black really quick during the Elite stuff. Uh, announced for next week on AEW. Dynamite John Moxley will be taking on Evil Uno. There will be a quote-unquote traditional tag team battle royal to see who advances to the tag team title match of Revolution. The teams in this match are the best friends, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, the Lucha Brothers, uh, Butcher and the Blade, Tony Nese and Ari Davari, Alex Reynolds and John Silver of the Dark Order, and Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, 2.0 of the JAS. So far announced for AEW Revolution, we do know that the MJF will be defending the AEW World Championship against Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, I mean, in a 60-minute 60 60 Man match. The TNT Championship will be on the line. Samoa Joe defends against Wardlow. Don Moxley will be going one-on-one -on -one with Hangman Page in a Texas death match. And finally, the Gun Club will be defending the triple will be defending the AEW World Tag Team Championships in a fit of four-way match against the acclaimed and two teams to yet be announced. So there we go. That was everything that did take place tonight on AEW Dynamite. An okay show. Just all right. There's a couple good segments here and there and a match or two that was not bad, but it's like, hmm, this was a just random, we're going to throw a bunch of shit on this show. But with that, you know what I thought. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's show. Remember, if you want to get your comment, question, or concern read, leave us a super chat in the YouTube chat or hit the donate button below on Twitch to donate there or donate Twitch bits. As far as the Polls do go. Let's refresh all of these really quickly. As far as the Twitter poll does go. Do, 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 if that will ever load. Here it goes. Twitter poll. 52% liked the show. 23% thought it was just all right. And 23% did not like it. As far as the Twitch poll does go, 57% liked the show, 29% thought it was, 29% uh, didn't like the show, and 14% thought it was just all right. As far as the YouTube community poll does go, 58% liked the show, 25% thought it was just all right, and 17% did not like it. And finally, the YouTube live poll. YouTube live poll here, 68% liked the show. 19% didn't like the show, and 12% thought it was just all right. So with that, guys, that's going to wrap everything up here for our AEW Dynamite review, February 15th, 2023. Remember, we will be back live Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up, and then Friday evening for Friday Night SmackDown. Also remember that AEW Rampage will be airing early this week due to some stuff with the NBA All-Star activities. 
So Rampage will actually air one hour before WWE's Friday Night SmackDown, 7 p.m. Eastern for Pacific. Well, there we go. Have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.